Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, John. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. So we had a pretty active trade deadline a couple days ago. Why do you think that is? You know, usually teams are very hesitant to make trades in the middle of the season, but you had some big names who who moved a couple days ago. Why do you think that was? This may sound strange, but I think the fact that uh, remember when they had the cut down, They eliminated the cut down to 75, and so it went from 90 to 53. And that caused a spike in the number of trades. I think that probably carried over because now teams that had maybe wanted to do something or now they have needs found that, hey, let's let's do something more. Because you look at the whole equation. This this year there was 93 trades. Last year there was 54. And normally it kind of floats between 50s to 60s. So I think that just... You know, it puts more urgency in trying to get something. Made it made it made it a little bit tougher because now teams are able to hold on to players a little bit longer. And so, because of that, and of course now what you have is that most of the teams that made the trades on the trade deadline were in the race. They wanted to try to uh, you know get the one player or two players that may help them down the stretch. But it was unusual because normally the trade deadline kind of fades into oblivion. This time, it was bold. Was there a bigger winner on the deadline day than Buffalo? I think uh, maybe Seattle. I mean, even though they had to give up a lot because they had to give up a second-round pick in 2019, a third-round pick in 2018 to get Dwayne Brown. I mean, they had such a bad offensive line. It just wasn't working out. They had two young tackles, and they weren't able to run the ball at all. The pass blocking has been inconsistent. To get Dwayne Brown, who is a uh, Pro Bowl caliber left tackle at the age of 32, but that was huge. And I know that may sound like it's an older acquisition, but you look at one of the best acquisitions this past year was Andrew Whitworth at the age 35 going to the Rams and helping out that offensive line. I think Seattle got a big benefit by getting Dwayne Brown. And, and when was the last time Seattle has had a really nice left tackle? Was it Walt? Was it Big Walt was the guy? Yeah, well, they had Russell Okung, who uh, had been Pro Bowl caliber, and then he stayed six years on a six-year contract and then uh, you know didn't get the deal he wanted, and so he left. So you know, they went from, uh, you know, because Russell, I think, had been to two Pro Bowls. So uh, this is the best one they've had now since Russell will come. You know, we, we, we'll get to Ajayi in a second, and we, and we know why Ajayi was traded. But why did the Panthers move Kelvin Benjamin? It's pretty simple. They, they, they thought there was a very lack of separation among some of their wide receivers because Devin Funches isn't real fast, and same thing with Kelvin Benjamin. And you remember, Kelvin came to camp at 270 pounds. He was able to, or he came to the OTAs at 270 pounds, got down to 243. And even though he's a consistent possession type of receiver, you know he just doesn't get the separation. So what happens? They're trying to get the culture of Cam Newton, you know, standing in the pocket and getting hit too much or running too much. And so they want more quickness. And so they drafted Christian McCaffrey to try to get quickness out of the backfield. Uh, Curtis Samuel to try to get quickness at the receiver position, and they also were able to get value in the sense that the, the third and the seventh round pick. Now remember, he was going to be going into that fifth-year option at big money and commanding probably $13, $14 million a year. They just didn't think he was worth it. So they would rather trade him to Buffalo, 
get the third and seventh round pick, and then hope they can get by with a little bit more quickness in the receiving core. Did the 49ers do a good job trading for Garoppolo? Oh, yeah, I think they got him in a bargain. Because, I mean, think about the idea in the offseason, particularly when they were talking to Cleveland, that uh, they were wanting a first and a third, and so they didn't get it. And they were in Cleveland probably was offering a first and maybe a couple other draft choices, but it didn't equal what the, the Patriots wanted to trade for. So and in the end, here's the, uh, of course, we, we can talk about the disaster that's known as the Cleveland Browns, but now to get him for just a second-round pick, I think it's a little bit of a bargain because now they have six, you know, they'll use him maybe six, seven games to see if he's worth giving a contract extension to. In New England, they weren't going to put the franchise tag on him and pay him more than Tom Brady to keep him. So, no, I think to get him for a second-round pick is a real good buy. Were the Colts really, uh, really willing to leave Frank Gore? I think they were considering it, yeah, because, I mean, you look and they were considering maybe even trading T.Y. Hilton, too. So they were considering it, but, again, they, they've got such problems with their team right now. They realize they need draft choices to help fix up the defense and that. But, uh, you know, obviously they weren't going to get much value. You're probably talking about maybe a sixth, seventh-round pick. So in the end, it's wiser to keep the running back than trade the running back. What have you heard through the rumor mill up there about Kelvin Johnson and what his possibilities might be coming back? I thought none. I think that uh, kind of you know the teams may inquire because they look and they see he's 30 years old. But I think that if you understand Calvin, I mean he just he, he just wants to retire. Uh, he's got some business things that he's doing, and you know he's working with players and things of that nature. So I think that's one where you know people inquire, but that was not going to ever happen. All right, let's get your thoughts here, John. When the Dolphins they move Jay Ajayi, your first thought was what? Uh, you, you sense that the you know Adam Gaze is trying to make a statement, trying to shake things up in the locker room because you see how bad the offense has been and the offensive performance. And so my first reaction was because when you started to hear that they were going to make a move, something was going to happen, then, of course, it eliminates the surprise. The disappointment is they're not as good of an offense without J.H.I. And so uh, now they hope to be able to patch it up because, I mean, you're looking at a backfield at, what, 57 yards is the top running back right now. So it's a, it's a statement to try to shake things up. But the question is, are they going to be good enough to make things better? And that's, I think, that. So uh, fourth-round pick, you know, for a running back who has the potential to get 1,200 yards, eh, it's like a, it's a shake-up, but it's going to be a benefactor. I don't know about that. Why do you think they couldn't get more than a fourth-round pick? Or is that simply because, hey, the resume isn't very extensive and running backs are interchangeable? Well, because you know, it's just because it's really, I mean, I know I say this in a trade deadline, we have uh, thirds and seconds and stuff like that. It's hard in any kind of a trade nowadays to get anything higher than a fourth-round pick because normally what happens is you, you, you value those because in most drafts you get first, second, and third-round picks are eventually going to be starters. And so uh, that's where the hard part is. And now you, you realize that uh, in Jay there are some ticking time bombs in his knee that could come up. I mean, you really can't guarantee if he gets a second contract how long he's going to go into that second contract but I think that's more, that's more, I think, just the idea. If you're going to make a trade, you figure you're not going to get a first, second, or third. And, and so what's the next value? It's a fourth. But that's a great move for Philadelphia, right? Because even if we're talking about you know the knees not being great, Philadelphia clearly is in win-now type mode, right? No, no question about it. And I think that it was a little bit of an arms race, I think, you can see between Seattle and Philadelphia because uh, you know here's Howie Roseman. And he realized, okay, if they've got a powerful running back, uh, you know, trying to get that in Garrett Blunt, but he's inconsistent. Okay, so now you you get a phone call and you start to think, wait a second here, I can get Jay Ajay and all of a sudden I have two of the best 
after-contact runners in football, I mean, to me, it was a no-brainer. And so uh, if you're Howie Roseman and you're Philadelphia, you're better. Now, of course, they were trying to get a left tackle, too. I don't know where they stood with Dwayne Brown, and I'm sure that they weren't willing to pay the price that Seattle did because, remember, they lose Jason Peters. But, no, I think it's a great move for Philadelphia because now you've got a powerful one-two punch, and you can really help your quarterback out in Carson Wentz. What do you envision the situation being up there with the two running backs? I mean, I know Blunt is still listed as the starter, but going forward rest of the year, how do you envision it between Blunt and Ajayi? Uh, that's going to be an interesting one for Doug Peterson to be able to figure out because, I mean, you're not going to be able to satisfy both with the number of carries. And so I would have to think that, uh, you know, Blunt, uh, you know, they'll probably just have to share the position. And so that means maybe the best-case scenario is, you know, one back at 13, 14 carries and the other one get about 10. You know, but, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, I mean, that one-two punch as far as power is going to be good. Now, again, they've got some issues now on the left side of the offensive line with Jason Peters out, and, of course, they're in a – they're still trying to figure out what's the best left guard position. But, no, I think that you know, it's, it's one where uh, it, just, it helps Carson Wentz. And really what it does, particularly in a division like the NFC East, it helps them in cold-weather games. Because now, I mean, you can really force the run and force it as well as any team in football. I'm, I'm interested now that you mentioned the fact that obviously Jason Peters went down and, and Philly would have been a possible candidate for Dwayne Brown as well. But, for instance, probably one of the best games that I've seen so far this year was that Houston-Seattle game on Sunday. How how early in in the week does these phone calls start going back and forth about Dwayne Brown? Is it is it just ironic that they just played against each other on that Sunday, and maybe he could have possibly stayed after that game in order to go ahead and sign with these guys? Like, how early does this conversation happen? Well, in this case, I mean, uh, the conversation between Seattle and Houston started in the preseason when George Fant went down with an ACL injury because they were on the phone immediately trying to upgrade the position because you know they weren't sure how good Reese Odiombo was going to be to replace George Fant. And so uh, it was a matter of that the holdout, and of course you know how teams treat holdouts, we're not going to do anything to you until you get there. And so uh, here's uh, Dwayne Brown. He shows up last Monday, and so now it's like, okay, who, oh, they're playing Seattle? Well, we can't trade him to Seattle and help Seattle out, so let's uh, have him out there. And I know being on the sidelines, I kept on walking behind Dwayne Brown to see how he was going to hold up, and he was able to hold up the entire game which I think is amazing. No training camp, no preseason. He comes in uh, and plays the entire game, which I thought was remarkable. But uh, now you get back, and uh, then you start talking trade and get something happened. So, yeah, it would have been nice if he could have stayed out here. But until they got the value on the trade, which, of course, didn't come down until Monday afternoon, and we have to bring him back. But now he flies back, and now he's a Seahawk. All right, John, I'm going to put you on hold here, and we'll get some calls, some questions for you, all right? Sounds good. All right, John, did you hear much about Jarvis Landry on Tuesday? The team is saying they told Landry a long time ago they were not going to trade him. Did you hear much about Landry at the trade deadline? Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I, the name certainly had to be out there because, again, they were trying to make a statement. They wanted to shake up some things in the locker room. They wanted to shake up things in the uh, you know, certainly in the offense. And so I'm sure that the name may have been mentioned, but in the end you knew something was not going to happen because it wouldn't make any sense for this team to trade Jarvis Landry for anything less than a first-round pick. And then you saw at the very last minute, you know, Kelvin Benjamin uh, goes for a third and a seventh. So in the end, his name may have been out there, but I, I, I thought there's, it's true to say that he was not going to be traded. All right, let's take some calls here. If you want to get in, 786-360-079. You can also text in 67974. Let's give John a crack out of here. Go ahead, John. Hey, Professor. Good morning. Uh, morning, Big Broncos fan, man. Um, Trevor Simeon, I don't know. When when should Elway pull the plug on him? And uh, Oswald is a bum to me. 
Uh, is Lynch, Paxton Lynch, the answer? Hard to tell because, uh, you know, he's coming off an injury right now. He's, the shoulder is just starting to get better, and he's probably not really uh, in, got the reps ready to be able to take over the starting job. You know, Vance Joseph decided this week that they are pulling the plug on Trevor Simeon. They're going to go uh, with Brock Osweiler and then try to buy time to get to Paxton Lynch. But I think you can see that the, you know this was a move that they, they thought that Trevor Simeon was the guy. They thought he was going to be good enough, but they still had the reservation. That's why they ended up making the move, trading up and getting Paxton Lynch. But the last three games have been horrible. Simeon has dropped off so dramatically. So where I look at John Elway as being one of the best problem solvers in football, well, guess what? This problem has not been solved, and they don't know how they're going to be able to get through this season. Right now, it's a disaster. John, I think bum is an underutilized insult. What do you think? Yeah, I wouldn't say he's a bum. I mean, let's put it this way. I know from what John Elway has told me and told others that he thought that uh, Trevor Simeon had that it factor. I mean, he was able to make the throws. He was a good leader. And you can see some promise, particularly in the first couple games this year and what he was able to do toward the end of last year. But whatever it is, I mean, I know they have offensive line problems like a lot of teams in the league, but uh, his play just dropped off. And so you have to try to get something going. Osweiler was 5-2 and two a couple years ago when he played for Gary Kubiak there. But, uh, you know, he's a tall quarterback, and he also had the same offensive line problems as Trevor Simeon. But, yeah, this season is rapidly slipping away from the Denver Broncos. Let's give, uh, let's give Greg an opportunity here with the professor. Go ahead, Greg. Hey, John, I'm a big Vikings fan. Uh, what do you think the quarterback position is going to be like uh, once those two guys get healthy? And uh, once they get healthy, do you think we have an actual shot in the NFC? Uh, they have a shot because I, mean, I think right now they have the best chance to win the division. But, you know, this may sound strange, but I think they're probably going to go the rest of the way with Case Keenum. Now, if Sam Bradford does finally get his knee right, and right now it's not right, then I think they go back to Sam Bradford. What they don't know is what they have in Teddy Bridgewater because, remember, he's missed 14 months. You know, you don't know if he's going to be the same player coming off that knee injury, but at least he may be able to help out as a backup. But, you know, they're, they're solid enough with Case Keenum. But the problem is, I think what they realize, if you get into the playoffs, there's a good chance you're not going to win with Case Keenum as your quarterback. He's going to be playing other better quarterbacks. So I think the hope is Sam Bradford gets better because, you know, last year he completed 71% of his passes, and this year he was able to get the ball downfield better. So the hope is by time to Bradford gets healthy, but week in and week out, they don't know if Sam Bradford's going to be healthy. There's quite a few texters on the text line wondering when you think or if you think at any point Gase is going to be on the hot seat down here. Mm, I don't think so. I think he was successful. I mean, it's almost, you know, because you, you have the good first years, almost like what you're seeing in New York with Ben McAdoo. Now, Ben McAdoo may, is certainly on a hotter seat than Adam Gase, but I think everybody kind of realized Adam's a good coach, and I think he's a good leader, and I think he's trying to be innovative in how he's trying to fix some things up. But uh, like anybody else, I mean, it's like uh, the longer if things go bad, then he might be in trouble. But, no, I think he's safe. Another texter is wondering if you think the Dolphins are going to draft a quarterback. I don't think so. No, I think they like him. I mean, let's put it this way. If it's Adam Gase still there, I mean, they're going to stay with Ryan Tannehill. I mean, with Ryan being out, I mean, there's nothing they can do to help him out until it gets to next year. But, no, I think there's a big belief in Ryan Tannehill. You know, what they've got to try to do is look at other positions if they're going to be drafting. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, is Tyrod Taylor a top 10 quarterback? Absolutely not. I mean, he's a good quarterback, but he's not top 10. You know, Right now they're trying to figure out if he's top 20. They're still in the evaluation process on Tyrod Taylor, but at least he's able to run around, he's able to make some good plays, and at the moment the Buffalo Bills, believe it or not, are in the playoff race for a wild card. 
Definitely not a bum, though, right? He's not a bum. Yeah. Absolutely yeah, a, not a bum. A text- and Trevor Simeon's not a bum. A texter. Who is a bum, John? Oh, he's not going to. He's, he's not going to. He's not going to call. So don't make him do that. He's not going to say someone's a bum, right, John? That's not nice. That's, That's correct. Yeah. No, no, I, I mean, the former coach of the Houston Oilers, Bum Phillips, he was a bum. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was only by name. Yeah. He was a great coach. Yeah, you're right. Well played. A texter asks if the Bills have a real shot at winning the division. I don't think so because they're in a division with the New England Patriots, and you know. You, you saw the bad start on the defense, and then you look over the last couple of weeks, and they're giving up less than 20 points a game. So, no, it's like Bill Belichick just has that magic with Tom Brady. They end up getting 11 and 12 wins every year. You know the Bills aren't going to win 11 or 12 games this year. They'll be lucky to get maybe 9 or 10. So, no, they're not winning the division. John, I was surprised that the NFL did not suspend Kiko Alonso, not because I thought that he deserved to be suspended, but... I felt it was a national TV game, Thursday night football. Uh, the optics were bad. I-, I thought that the NFL was going to try and make an example out of him there. Were you surprised he was not suspended? And what did you make of the hit? Because a lot of former players uh, were, were saying, okay, you got to penalize the play. That's the way the game is now. But a lot of former players, they defended Kiko Alonso there. Yeah, I thought I thought it was borderline uh, leaning toward not suspending, but I thought they probably would because I think what they've been trying to do is make a point of emphasis on each of these suspensions. And so all of a sudden, you know, if you're on a play like that where he's starting to slide, and of course he did suffer a bad concussion on the hit, I thought that they were going to suspend him because of that. It's like, okay, you got to be protective now if you're going to be trying to catch a sliding quarterback. And of course he did catch him with the elbow and all that stuff. So yeah, I thought he would get suspended. But also, I thought the hit wasn't as bad, but still, they had to pay a price because they had a quarterback in Joe Flacco that suffered a concussion. All right, finally here, John, what do you what do you make of the Dolphins this Sunday night? Sunday night football hosting the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders are three and five. Dolphins are four and three. Yet the Raiders, they're a three point favorite on the road. What do you make of this game? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you know, the one thing the Raiders have been a major, major disappointment this year. They're not getting the ball downfield offensively, throwing it. Their defense, I always thought, was suspect because they didn't do anything this offseason to help the defense. And so I think it's, it's a winnable game for the Dolphins without any question because you don't know, you know if you're going to be able to get that. But I think what the, prop, what the odds makers are going for is Derek Carr you know, trying to go against Jay Cutler. And you know there's not a great belief around the country, particularly with the betters on Jay Cutler. And so uh, I can see where they took him. But I think this is a winnable game for the Dolphins because I just think the Raiders are off this year. And I'm surprised because I thought this was going to be a good year. They won 12 games last year. They have Derek Carr. They have a powerful offense, a suspect defense. But, again, this is one where I think that, the, of course, now we've got to get, I have no idea how they're going to manufacture a running game now that J.H.I. is over in, in uh, Philadelphia. But, no, I think this is a winnable game for the Dolphins. All right, John, excellent job as always. Enjoy Week 9. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 